Welcome to It's Pronounced Memoir, the podcast that tells you how we prefer words to be pronounced. But it's also us discussing books written by celebrities. I'm Wendy Ahrens, and joining me today are my wonderful executive assistants, Mariana Olenko and Ann Imig. Hello. Hi, Wendy. How are you both? Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) I never know when it's my turn to speak. You're so shy. I'm a very polite American. You are. Okay. Let's say you're known for your beauty, talent, high-profile projects, and illustrious romantic partners, which, of course, all of us are. That's our rep. But say you're that person. However, what nobody really knows about you is that you had an epically difficult childhood and I would say tawdry past filled with poverty, abuse, drug dealers, girl gang fights, and a mother that was a stripper and a coke addict. Would you do the 1950s starlet PR thing and try to keep all of that quashed or at least not go public to protect your image? Or would you own it, as the kids say, and air all of your dirty laundry? I'll answer first and say I think I'd go public because that's a great way to take back your power. That's easy for me to say because the only dirty laundry in my past is that I once stole blue eyeshadow from Kmart. But what about both of you, Mariana? I would definitely own it and I would enhance it. (laughs) (laughs) Like I would make up some shit to make it even worse because I want people to respect me and be a little bit afraid of me. Okay, fair. And? And maybe start a GoFundMe. That's right. Why not? (laughs) I think it's significant that her mom had already died. Oh my God, spoiler. Sorry. I know when she published this book, because I think that my concern, she was more of an innocent bystander of a lot of this or like a survivor of it. So implicating other people sharing their stuff feels a little different than your own. It doesn't surprise me the timing of her doing this now. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Can I just say that I would also protect other people because I liked Anne's answer a lot. So I would mm-hmm. protect other people, but okay. enhance my own badassery. Okay, fair. So what I'm this is leading up to is today we're talking about a well-known actress and activist who went the all-out-in-the-open route with her story in the memoir, Tell Me Everything. It's Minka Kelly, who's most known for playing the spoiled rich cheerleader, Lila Garrity, on Friday Night Lights. She's also in HBO's Euphoria, which is a show that gives me nightmares, where she plays a beautiful rich wife. Now, I think you both watched Friday Night Lights, but what was your perception of her before reading the book? Hold on, because I'm stuck on the fact that you just gave her a subtitle all out on the open route. That's a big (laughs) missed opportunity and... Worth reconsidering. Maybe for the paperback, they could put like a sticker on there. I was questioning it as I was saying it. (laughs) (laughs) All I knew her from was Friday Night Lights. Ooh, but fun fact. I went to high school with the director of 500 Days of Summer. And I do remember rewatching that. I love that movie. So Mark Webb is the director. But she plays Autumn, I think, that little bit part at the end. Because Summer was, do you remember that movie, 500 Days of Summer? No. no. Oh, you should watch it. It's really fun. But anyway, she has like a bit part at the end before before Friday Night Lights. And I remember rewatching it and being like, oh, my God, because 
the only thing I knew her from was Friday Night Lights. Where she plays pretty much the opposite of what her real high school life was like, right? She wasn't spoiled and rich. She had cheerleader. Right? Yeah. Completely shocking. I, I think that's called acting. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you, Mariana? Did you know her from that I, show? I think you watched it. I did watch it. I only knew her from Friday Night Lights, and I didn't even think that she existed outside of that show. I was completely immersed in all the characters, and that's all I knew about her. So the book opens with a dedication, quote, to all the wounded children out there looking for protection. I see you, end quote. And that really kicks us off on quite a journey about Minka's early life beginning with a pretty disturbing story of when she was 17, I think, and living with her first boyfriend, Rudy, and his dad in New Mexico because her mother had abandoned her, which she had done a few times, but this was where Minka really was on her own. And to make money so she could move into her own apartment, she starts working as a coin-operated girl in a peep show off the freeway, which is, you've seen those places with the triple X and all the truckers outside. Yeah. And it, it's pretty live girls, live girls. And I have to say that I was really shocked when I read that because first it's so brave of her to own that part of her past. So that's something that you think I wasn't expecting it right away or at all. And uh, B, because that was so far away from the perception I had of her. And how did you both respond to that? Yeah, shock. Very shocked. And also, I, you start with that. So you don't know what has happened in her life that mm -hmm. got her to that point. And the description, I guess I never knew how those things worked. I knew coins were involved. I don't know if they're literally <laughs> coins or because they were sliding dollars. Then I think it starts where Rudy, her boyfriend's father says to her, you're too good for him. And if you get the first and last month rent, I'll co-sign with you. Or he, he encouraged her to get out of that relationship. And so she was doing everything she could to stand on her own two feet financially. And thank you for clarifying the currency that was used at the peep show. <laughs> it's now a chip card. It. Yeah, I think now it's a chip it's card. A chip card. I think you <laughs> load it. So after the peep show bit, Minka writes about how she grew up in L.A. with her mother, who lived day to day in survival mode as either a stripper at L.A.'s Crazy Girls or she'd find a man that could take care of them. Minka writes that, quote, my mother's looks and her ability to attach to men are the only security she's ever known, end quote. And security and safety is a big theme of this book as it goes along. Um, it's something that Minka was very um, desperate for, and it led her into situations that she knew she shouldn't be in, but that was about the only choice she had at that time in her life. And one of her memorable stories is when she's about age seven and she and her mom are living in a storage unit. They had a hot plate maybe and didn't really have much electricity. But she went with her mom to the strip club and sat, I think, in the audience or on the side of the stage watching her mom's bag lady strip act. And yes, I know I pronounce bag like I'm from North Dakota because I am. The most shocking thing about that phrase you just said. <laughs> <laughs> A sack lady. Can I say sack lady? And fortunately, the other performers whisked her away when her mom's clothes started coming off. But I found that to be really heartbreaking because doesn't she have something in there about how she had her coloring books? She's yes. just a little girl. And then I've, I had a strong reaction to it. And then I 
corrected myself because I'm like, her mom was a working mom. She was doing what she had to do to support her little girl. And is that so bad? And blah, blah. So I don't know. She was an addict. Yes. That is a huge factor in all this. And later she goes on to talk about her mom's decision to bring her into the world and the circumstances around what she thought was it. Her mom really wanted her and she was going to raise her with her own mother. And that was the decision that she made in having her. She had abortions, several abortions previously, Minka's mom. And it was really devastating because her grandma died before Minka was born. And so not only did she, was she, was her mom ill-prepared to be a mom? She had zero support and just lived this life of addiction. She was just surviving day to day. Uh, And Minka says of her mom, quote, I now know that a kid's calibration for what's normal is determined by whatever she grows up with. If your dad's a drug dealer and your mom works in the sex industry, that's just your regular life. For me, this was it. Crazy girls was life as usual, end quote. The other strippers were really loving toward her and did keep an eye out for her. So that was some solace in a horrible situation. They were often homeless. And sometimes those were the friends that kept them afloat. Yeah, hundred percent. And Marianne, I know this next part resonated with you, but Minka writes that during this time in her life, her safe space was school. What'd you think of that part? I, I don't know why you think it resonates with me. Just hoping is you're a known educator. When Mariana was not Mariana, when she was not on the poll, she too <laughs> loves. I actually I like that part a lot because she loved the structure in school. Like mm-hmm. nobody was attacking her. There was no weirdness. She got to eat in the cafeteria. She knew when the classes started and ended. She had her pens. Like there was structure, and mm-hmm. she really craved that. There was this one moment where her mother's just passed out in bed and Minka's trying to get her to wake up so she could take her to school. And some guy that Minka has never seen, like wakes up next to the mom and is like, all right, I'll take you to school. What's your name? He doesn't know who the hell she is, probably doesn't care, but he understands that this kid needs to go to school. Like the stranger could have been horrific, dangerous. It wasn't. He took her to school. I think school. School served a really important function in her life. And this is maybe something to be edited out. But like a lot of times people say, oh, why does school have to provide a free hot lunch? And I'm like, this is why. No. Like if, if somebody doesn't know why on their mm-hmm. own, maybe read mm-hmm. Minka's book and figure it out. I mean, that definitely um, does not get edited out. That's huge. Yeah, it was her sanctuary. Yeah, that's exactly it. When I think about my own childhood, which my parents were regular vanilla working parents. So I took that structure and that order for granted. But not to have that in your life as a child must be terrifying. And then it comes later how devastating is she's having to switch schools constantly. And then when even school becomes a place where she needs to be able to literally fight to stay safe. Mm -hmm. That's now there's nowhere for her. And that's how she ends up in this relationship at age 16, working at a peep show. It's really dark. It's really dark. And I just found her to be remarkable because she could have gone the path of her mother. She could have easily gotten into drugs and used the escape. And 
she was already being abused by some of the men that she dated or the man that was her father figure, her mom's boyfriend who beat her, which was a horrific David. scene, David. But she just seemed from such a young age to really crave the security and safety and keep her head on straight and really focus on what was going to be best for her future. Well, she's really smart. <clears throat> she went on to become a nurse, which is part of the story that I love that we'll get to. But her writing is so good. And I was trying to find out if she had a ghostwriting, her, her vocabulary, her awareness of like racial and ethnic parts of her identity and surroundings. It's mm -hmm. a well-written book and very well thought out. Agree. Let's talk about her family for a second because her mom met her dad and that's, they became pregnant and he was in the picture for a while, but his name is Rick Dufay, I think is how you say it. And he's a French guitarist and songwriter, which everybody who doesn't love a French guitarist, but he at the time left Minka and her mom because he was touring with Aerosmith. And she didn't know him for years, for a long time. He entered, enters the picture later, but and she instead grew up with a drug dealer named David who considered her to be his daughter, raised her as his daughter. But he it was bad news. And she says all this awful stuff he was doing. And then I found this heartbreaking, her quote saying, as complicated as David was, he was there for us. Yeah, I mean, that's he, what they thought that all they could get. He beat her to a pulp. But on a lighter note, <laughs> um, <laughs> I am struck by the fact that her dad played with Aerosmith. And so much of this could totally be an Aerosmith video from the 80s. <laughs> like, you're right. see, like <laughs> the club and the gorgeous stripper with her beautiful yeah. blue-eyed daughter, like coloring and all that. You can just see it. <laughs> Another missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. How do we um, see them left and right? Oh, so th this part of the, her early childhood, I also found to be so awful. But when she's nine, her mom gets a job for a traveling lingerie show in the Philippines, which that sentence in itself is remarkable. But <laughs> like she's your actually, mom, Wendy, right? Just like my mom. <laughs> show those bras over in the Philippine Islands. But Marika's relieved because her mom is so excited. I think her mom obviously had some depression issues going on. Because Minka says she was finally brushing her teeth and combing her hair. So her mom leaves her for what was supposed to be six weeks, leaving Minka with a family friend. But she is gone for over a year. And during that time, Minka's passed from one friend to another and later finds out that her mom had been arrested for transporting drugs for David and imprisoned for a short time. And wow. the women she was left with were all trying, but trying to take care of her. But one was a prostitute who would see clients when Minka and the woman's daughter were at school. Another woman had two daughters and one was awful and bullied Minka. And it was just, just awful. And her mom never told her that she was arrested for drugs. She later learned it from someone else. And she writes, I learned more about my mother through strangers than I did from her. It was just heartbreaking where she was just shuffled from one place to the next. And she knew, mm -hmm. right? She knew that she was just left and abandoned. Mm -hmm. like, and, like she had nobody. She had to rely on these women who were strangers to her. They were absolutely strangers. She didn't know. It was like, oh, it's a friend of your mom's. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. And she. it's interesting. She says she doesn't remember when her mother came back. But she I'm took sure. her 
to Claire's to get her ears pierced. Was that when she came back? Was that? The- I think that was like a, a happy memory in all of this. But- yeah. Oh. I'm nine years old. What that does to the developing brain, mm-hmm. it's no wonder Minka Kelly's been through and is open to all sorts of different therapies, but has really had her own struggles. And when this is your start to life, it impacts you forever in your brain. She was malnourished. Yeah. She mm-hmm. was neglected. It was completely unpredictable. Like all the things that make for healthy child development, she didn't have any of them. Any like, of them? No, not even a roof over her head at times. No, I'm sure she wasn't getting medical or dental or anything like right. that. And yet she shows amazing resilience. That's right? such an Im- impactful, amazing part of her story. It must be like just something innate inside her because everything was stacked against her and she didn't really have a role model, at least not that I could determine. I mean, her dad a little yeah. bit, her biological dad, but we'll get into that in a, in a She had more than one near-death experiences. There was mm-hmm. like a drowning. There was like, mm-hmm. right. she did get so ill that- The appendix. I can't even remember. I, I yeah. Like, yeah. It was her appendix had burst. Yeah. Think. Well, when she's a little bit older, the family moves to New Mexico, where they live with David's extended family. And she did really connect with some of the older abuelas and her cousins, who weren't really her cousins, but they all accepted her. But also, she started going to a a pretty rough New Mexico high school, where she was picked on because she was, they called her blonde. And then she starts getting in the, I guess, the lowrider lifestyle with the the girl gangs and really has pretty much the opposite of what the Friday Night Lights high school experience was. Yeah, that is so amazing. The fact that she was able to land that role makes a lot of sense because she had a lot of access to her emotions, but her lived experience could not have been. Yeah. The pictures in the book, like her high school picture looks nothing like Mm -mm. Lila Garrity. It is amazing. Perm in Aquanet. It was, yeah, and heavy eyeliner. Yeah, super thin eyebrows. And I think she also had to learn early on basically how to read the room. Like a lot of adult children of alcoholics, they need to be very chameleon to adapt to whatever situation they find the adults or the other people around them in. Oh, that's really interesting. I'm, and I'm. that's probably what you both have said. That's added to her ability to be an actress. She yeah. calls upon all of that. That's really interesting. Instead of going to like Juilliard or something, she, you know, has this big well of experience and emotions and shape-shifting. Oh. Things start to get better for Minka after the high school graduation and peep show experience, she gets a job at a cell phones customer service center and really thrives at it. I think she's even, I think she's only 18 at the time and she has her own apartment. She's thriving in this job and she just loves it. I think probably also because there's structure, there's recognition for her hard work. And I know one of one of the stories she tells from here resonated with you, Anne, about her talking to people who couldn't pay their bills. What's amazing about her is she always fulfills her promises to herself. Nobody ever fulfilled a promise to this girl her whole childhood. So many people would say, I'll earn my first and last month's rent. They actually never leave the peep show or poll because you make a lot of money. 
and it's right there. But she does. She did exactly. She got her first and last month's rent. Her asshole boyfriend's dad makes good on his word. She's able to move. She loves his job in the call center. And it's just refreshing to hear somebody talk about loving a customer service job. She was mm-hmm. so grateful. And then she told this really sweet story about how she would often talk to people who were in situations so much like her and her mom had been in, not being able to pay their bill and not being able to exist without a phone. And her manager showed her like how to just zero out their account and people couldn't believe it. They would just be in tears. And I wonder how much something like that happens anymore, but it was such a beautiful moment in the book. Uh, She must've just had such a great feeling that she was in a position to help people when her whole life up until that point was her asking for help and needing help. And now finally she's able to be on the other end of it. Yeah. Imagine the people calling just for tech support, thinking it's going to be horrendous and they get her on the other line who's so helpful and compassionate and then can sometimes even work like miracles. Yeah. Yeah. I've never talked to anybody like that at customer service. (laughs) So she'll go back to that job and then we can call in. Yes, exactly. But after that experience, she reconnects with her biological dad, Rick Dufay. That's such a that's such a made up last name in my mind. I know. <laughs> like Phoebe Buffet. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's a soap opera name. And the soap opera name. And he invites her to live in LA with him, which I don't know. Sometimes I liked him and sometimes I didn't because it seemed like he would make excuses for not stepping up earlier. He had to have known. I, I couldn't imagine having a young child out there. And uh, I, I think that's how Minka felt about him, too, yeah. actually. Yeah, exactly. So it's this grand gesture. He comes and moves her out, takes her stuff. They go to his place in Hollywood Hills with his wife. And everything looks like this is it. She's Her life is going to be on track now. But then he tells her she has to get a job and move out within two months, I think. But she yeah. talks about it with gratitude like that was a defining moment and he did the right thing. So she's really conflicted about his role in her life. And that definitely comes across. Whatever boundary he put up, he enforced it. And I think she appreciated that because that got her motivated to, to get out, to get other work, to seek other opportunities. But she's never used to having this open arms, of course, stay as long as you want. I love you and I want you here with me. The tough love is good. And yes, it did lead to her having to make something of herself. But also it's you asshole. You neglected her your entire life. You can't give her like six months at your place. Especially because she would have left. Like her tenacity and her character are such that she would not have stayed there forever. So like the heroics... He likes the heroics, but then when it starts to become a daily grind, it's okay. Now we just want to have our please leave. I can't remember how she got into going to school for what she did. Can one of you talk about that? I think, didn't she start working at a store like Guess or yeah. something? Yes, yes she yes. did retail. Okay, she did retail. And then and over to you, Anne. I think I'm piecing it back <laughs> together, but I think she got discovered by an actual agent who thought she could model who hooked her up with the reception job at the plastic surgery place with the hopes that she would, the kind of modeling this agent had in mind for her was like playboy playmate. So Minka 
goes to be the receptionist at the surgery center and loves it. She's fascinated by the surgery and the role of the nurses and just intellectually, she's very curious about it. And then she's almost convinced they have her on the calendar to start getting work done so she can become a playmate. And thankfully, her friend intervened. And the experience working there, she would go into the surgery rooms sometimes and assist. And she loved it and wasn't squeamish, wasn't anything like that. So that propelled her to start taking classes to get a nursing degree which I yes. thought was so amazing. It and is amazing. Yeah. But here, um, we'll give you a free boob job and then it's easy street for you just to go get your photos taken. But to reject that and be like, no. I, and not that there, there's anything wrong with doing that, of course. But she opted to really stay true to her intellectual pursuit and got her nursing degree and started working at a surgical center assisting uh, doctors. And she yeah. loves it. Loves it. Somebody who with a different path absolutely could have gone to medical school and become a physician and probably would mm-hmm. have loved it. And she makes it really clear. I have a profession that nobody can take in training that nobody can take away from me. Like no matter what happens to my acting career, I can go be a nurse and I'll love it. And I just fell in love with her between the starting yeah. a call center job and then this nursing stuff, I was like, this person's amazing. Yeah, she's creating her own security because nobody's giving her any. And nursing is a really interesting thing that she went into because it is, there's always going to be a nursing job no matter what city you move to. And her work Mm -hmm. ethic, like her talking about how much she loved even cleaning the instruments. And it was like Mm -hmm. so poignant because she draws it back to the reason she survived was always making herself useful. No matter whose couch she was staying on, she would always clean and try to make herself useful so that people would want her around. And that really sad sort of survival mechanism now comes in handy to make her like a kick-ass employee and nurse, which is really beautiful. So after Minka starts her medical career, I think I don't remember what compelled her to start taking acting classes. I think maybe a friend recommended it. And she's obviously gorgeous. So she had been approached by various modeling scouts or, you know, how LA is. Everybody has a business card saying they're a producer. But somehow it got into her head to start taking these acting classes. And the way she writes about it is almost like it was the first way she started doing therapy was through the acting classes because she really started to look inwards and to think about her inner, I'm not saying this right, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. She had to let her guard down to be a good Mm -hmm. actor. And she had an acting teacher who saw right through her tough exterior, which is again, a coping mechanism, but to be a good actor requires vulnerability. And this was her first experience of letting her guard down with other people, even in an acting exercise. And she and this teacher just hit it off and she just kept taking every class this teacher offered. And she started booking like commercials and it was like fun, extra money, but I don't think she ever had any idea she would go on to become a star. I don't even remember how Friday Night Lights came up. Who remembers how she got that? I don't remember anything. She had a manager who put her up for it. And so she went to a few of the auditions. And I know she had a an audition with the guy that played Jason Street in the show. And they had chemistry. And again, she's 
beautiful and very talented at acting. So she got the part and they all moved oh, to Austin. It coincided with this big breakup with her, in her life. Cause I like, I remember her mm-hmm. packing oh, up yes. and being like, she had to move anyway. And then she got the job and had to move. And it was like this incredible synergy. So yeah, she packed up all of her belongings and took a U-Haul with a friend to Austin. And it was almost like that was her college. That's how I took it because she had been working and was an adult and now she's in Austin and having fun. And all of the cast is about the same age as her and they're living not in a dorm, but they're all kind of living on their own. And there was a lot of partying, a lot of romance and all of that stuff. So she seemed to really flourish. It was like the first time she could act her age. It was so heartbreaking. She writes really honestly about her own behavior and how her and is it Taylor? Yeah. Riggs. Yeah. Yeah. How they had this like crazy chemistry and really she broke his heart and she knows she did. And she realizes that her castmates ultimately are not going to be her best friends. And that took some painful conflicts within the cast and even the producer was like this is a bad idea you guys but at that age like you just you can't fight that chemistry and it really it sounds like it was really difficult for a time and then she matures and realizes this is a job and I'm just coming here for a job and not for my social life and from her perspective things get much better but it sounded like it started with this like euphoria and then got really dicey for everyone. Yes, that which reminds me, I've been meaning to say this that I'm not on this podcast to make friends. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. Want Good you to know. know. Yeah. You're here to win. Here to win. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't podcast. Can't find my microphone. <laughs> Wait, uh, uh, progressive lenses, waning vocabulary. That's going to get worse <laughs> as we continue. So every everything is at this point in her life, everything is looking great and she's successful. And of course, she still has a lot of untreated trauma and uh, mental issues from her childhood. But before she can even really do anything with that, she finds out that her mom has cancer, um, colon cancer, I think. Yes. Yes. Do you want to talk about that, Mar- Mariana? Let's throw it over to Mariana. Yeah, I think when she first hears from her mom, she doesn't think it's that serious because her mom is a bit of a drama queen, but then she Mm -hmm. realizes how serious it is. And she flies her out to the set. When her mother's getting really sick, and apparently her mother's favorite holiday was Thanksgiving, which I don't think we knew until she got colon cancer. And she wanted Minka to come out and see her and Minka wouldn't. And she, she tortures herself or is tortured by it like, why didn't I go? She can't remember what she was doing that Thanksgiving, but she didn't want to go see her mother. And then in her mother's dying days, she just goes, I can't remember if it's hospital or hospice. And she just holds her mother in her arms. And she just, the doctor or the nurse comes in and gives her a countdown. Like you have six more hours, you have two more hours. And she feels this desperation that really comes across. That's not enough time. And you think, what does she want to accomplish in that time? And maybe Mm -hmm. that's the kind of grief that nobody knows until you're there. There's no logical answer that could satisfy anybody. That's the unanswerable. 
it was heartbreaking. She lost her mother. And in losing her, she doesn't, she talks about her grief and how much she missed her, but she didn't romanticize her mother at all. It's not like she thought she was the perfect mother. Or And after having read 200 pages, it would have been odd if she had. But it's that tension between this is a very flawed woman who had limited choices and maybe mm-hmm. didn't make the best decisions. And yet she was Minka's whole world. And there's something else I found heartbreaking where her mom had journals or something in a trunk and that was given to Minka and Minka was, which we all would have thought, here's my answer. I'm finally going to understand my mom. Here's everything I've been waiting for my whole life. And it was a complete letdown. It wasn't anything of importance. It was full of socks. (laughs) (laughs) The trunk was full of socks and she just yeah, like, she said, it's a treasure for you. Yeah. It was totally bizarre. She shares some wackadoo anecdotes from therapists that were really disappointing to read. Mm-hmm. But I think that this part of the book is ultimately what I feel will be most helpful to so many people because it's easy to think that the grief would be strongest and who's comparing grief when you have a very close relationship with somebody who dies but when you have the super complex relationship and it's called complicated grief for a reason because like she's up until the end it's like this woman who ultimately she gets to she did the best she could but she makes her struggle very she's honest about it like you said Marianne and I just feel like that's going to be helpful I think a lot of people relate to that especially about a parent who just did not parent her therapist your mother didn't love you and you need to go and tell Mm. your mom all the ways that she failed you and I was like whoa oh that was awful yeah that was awful you're a bad mother yeah and she's even honest about doing that and realizing how misguided it was and having like grace around the therapist later saying actually there was some value that came out of it and then there was a weird creepy male therapist anecdote that I've pushed away from my mind I can't remember what it was but I think her being so vulnerable and honest about this complicated grief is really going to help people. I do too. And she didn't, and I am thankful that she got to see her mother after she didn't see her at Thanksgiving, that she had another opportunity because it would have been horrible if her mother had passed away before that. But it there's no happy Hollywood ending between mother and daughter. We don't get that. We get the best it could have been probably. And I think that's really, like you said, it's going to help people that she wrote about it so honestly. And it's not, you think she has this perfect Hollywood life, but she also doesn't. And it says so much about her, like anybody would have understood if she never talked to her mom again. Uh So all of the connection and progress that did come is a huge credit to her. I agree. But the last part of the book really in my memory, and maybe because I glossed over it, it was a lot of her um, insights that she learned from going to therapy and how she has become an activist, an advocate for women. I think through, it's the women in Africa. Through, mm-hmm. I can't think of the name of it. Abel. Yeah, a lifestyle brand focused on ending generational poverty by assisting women who have overcome extraordinary circumstances. Able. She wants to give back. She wants to help other women and girls that have gone through tough times like she did. And 
I think the main way she's doing that is through this book. Um, no matter what else she does, I think this book is going to be like her big legacy, telling all this stuff. Yeah, yeah it feels I like it could so. be the start of something, a new chapter for mm-hmm. her. So Just much- her honesty throughout, like she was talking about the abortion that she had, and her mother had said when before she had fallen ill from cancer, her mother said we could raise this child together. It's up to you. And Minka just thinking, I'm not going to do this. This is what I have to break this generational cycle of having children because you didn't think you should have an abortion or because you thought it'd be fun or whatever it is. She just knew she wasn't ready. I think it's so important that women are speaking about their abortions in print without shame and without regret. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I had actually forgotten that detail. And that's so uncanny. These generational patterns and how they repeat themselves and how hard it is to break them. And she just time and time again, and it's poignant because she talks about her, how her time to have a child may be over. She's just so honest and vulnerable, holding all the truths all at once without trying to paint a picture that's prettier than what she's going through. She's honest about what she knows and what she doesn't. And very good at seeing sort of shades of gray. She's a huge heart. Yeah, huge heart. And I think she doesn't, she grew up with a a mother who was for better or worse, a selfish person. And I think that Minka has grown up to be a bit selfless with the, with the, the cell phone center and with her generosity towards her friends. She writes a lot about her friends and she has a found family in LA, but yeah, she, and that was probably why she had the abortion. It wasn't, she didn't want to be in a position where she couldn't give as much to a child as she wanted to. And I just, I feel like her mom, her mom never grew up. Her mom (laughs) did not like, she uses collateral, what she had, like her looks and she was an addict. Her mom never had a shot. And it's a miracle that Minka broke all those cycles who can say that they would have the wherewithal after everything she'd been through to do that. And I think it's really amazing that she's sharing her story. Are you going to talk, you. talk about the, the pole dancing breakthrough at the end? This <laughs> kind of lost me a bit, I'll confess. Maybe others would respond to it in a positive way. And it's, it's not terrible, but she talks about a, a friend of hers, I think got her to go uh, to pole dancing classes and oh it was a miscarriage she had a miscarriage and she was so depressed because she went through in she went through in vitro to try to get pregnant and she had a breakup and a miscarriage and became so depressed and that's why her friend decided that pole dancing was going to be the thing that's right that's right doesn't seem like a natural solution but I'm not a mental health expert to me, that was, and maybe I'm being a little bit jaded, but it felt like the editor was like, oh yeah, here's your bookend. You start where you're watching your mom pole dance and at the end you're pole dancing and you're free. It's like the movie version would have her pole dancing to Aerosmith. And- <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, Wendy, I agree. I literally wanted to throw the book across the room after mm-hmm. this incredible journey. And then she's like, no, really? What why right through was on the pole and I made it yeah. my own. And I'm like, again, there's nothing wrong with it, but it just cheapened. And it's it true. Seemed, so who am I to, who am I to say? But I don't know. It, it, made it me seemed grow. like a little 
like a big wink, like it was yeah. a little bit too neat a bow to tie on it. I don't know. And then untie it. Slowly. And then untie it. But <laughs> I, I'm glad I'm glad I read this. And me too. She me too. I also thought that I mentioned earlier that she's had a lot of high profile. She's had a lot of relationships with high profile men. Derek Jeter, if you Google it, there's a whole list. But she has most recently been with Trevor Noah for the, I think, two years. And he also had quite a childhood and has a very Mm. best, he has a best-selling memoir about all of that too. And and when I can't sleep at night, I will think like, how'd they get together? What'd they talk about? What is that the commonality that drew them together? I don't know. It's interesting. Maybe we can read his and then have them both on now that they're broken up. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. I read his already. Oh, you did? Okay. So do you have any insights as to... I do not. They're both beautiful, smart people. So apparently people like that and their partners. I I am glad I read this. I would recommend it highly. And it's, it's a compelling story too. I read it quickly. I didn't want to put it down. Absolutely. Absolutely. I read it quickly too. And I really loved it on audio. I know somebody told me that she has a baby voice, but I loved it. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think it's fascinating because she talks about it in the book and Paris Hilton has shares the same affliction and they've both been through serious childhood trauma. I do think she has a baby voice and she knows it too. Uh, And I thought that was super interesting. Some of us can't help baby voices because we're just so adorable. I know you guys I have it. God. <laughs> well, any last parting thoughts about this one? I I was really curious why her name was Minka, and I kept worrying that I missed it. But then I think that's just what her mother. Yeah, named it's an it. unusual I, name. It is an unusual name. So of course I googled it because of research purposes, and it said that Minka means like a steel helmet. Oh, okay. Or something like that. But it's not like an obvious choice for a baby girl. In fact, her mom's childhood nickname for her was Boob. Oh, God. I know. <laughs> Cue outro music. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next whenever with another memoir. 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 Bye. Bye. <laughs>